Yeah, I just I don't know what that means. I'm so glad we hit record. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd know. <laughs> when the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. There is a line in that uh, Duggar documentary, which we've talked about a lot, um, that uh, Bill Gothard, the head of IBLP, says that I, I, I think is pretty illuminative. It stuck out to me this this past time it was on for whatever reason. But he said he was talking about God in the Old Testament, and he made the remark that when God was setting up the ideal society, he did such and such and such. And, I, and it, it just, I don't know why I didn't notice it before, but I was immediately like, ooh, that's a bad take on what was happening there. Referencing what they're doing as the ideal, I'm sure. Well, specifically that he was interpreting the Torah as God setting up the ideal society, and that's not what it is. Oh, I see what you're saying. And, and then kind of positioning their movement or their values and what they were trying to do is trying to get back to God's ideal society that is described in the Old Testament. And... I, just, I thought mm-hmm. that was illuminative of the kind of uh, thought tribes that we've been talking about in the last couple episodes, the, the sort of more entrenched crowd who um, have this perception that we've, we've got to get back to the way that things were, whatever yeah. that means, whenever that was exactly. And I just thought about, man, that really explains a lot in, in that I, I, don't, I never heard anybody say that necessarily when I was growing up, but just that that perception of that's what the Old Testament is or that's what the Torah or the law is, that God was setting up the way that he wanted things to be rather than Christ being the ideal or even the pre-Torah relationship that God had with the patriarchs as an ideal. Yeah, I mean, the closest thing I can think of that would be ideal would be like Eden. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That's Yeah. We screwed that up. But, but what's interesting is I was uh, reading Deuteronomy this week, and um, this is in, in, in chapter 4, Moses takes a moment, and he, like, chapters 1 through 11 are him giving sermons, basically. He, gives, <clears throat> he recaps the history of where they've been and what they're there to do and why it's important, and then he spends the next few chapters after that rehashing a lot of the laws. Some of them are changed because they're about to not be vagabonds wandering around in tents they're going to be in cities and stuff so there's this or that tweak and then kind of he he sort of gives an outro where he reminds them you know i've said before you blessings and curses and if you do this then this is going to happen all that kind of thing but in chapter four he he talks about um that it'd be better if i read this actually so that i don't get it wrong okay so this is deuteronomy four i'm going to start in verse five See, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? And the thing that stuck out of me in light of the 
comment about this being the ideal society is that what Moses doesn't say is, if you will follow the letter of every law here, then God will be able to work his magic or whatever, but that he he places an emphasis on this is wisdom, and that um, something that is that I, I heard only more recently, last few years, was that um, there's a cycle that repeats in, in the scriptures where instruction is given, it's either followed or not followed, and then at a later period, a new generation or a new group of people has to have the law given to them again. And sometimes it changes mm-hmm. form depending on what their context, context is, and the expectations are different or the admonition is different. You know, God's relationship and covenant with Abraham is different than the Sinai covenant and the Sinai expectations, which are different from what Moses gives in Deuteronomy to some degree, which is different than what the exiles do when they come back to Jerusalem from Babylon, which is different than what Jesus comes back and talks about when he was teaching, which is different than what Paul and the other New Testament authors reflect on in light of Jesus but they're all built on the same bedrock of truth. The expression of them changes throughout history in terms of like, we don't have to keep kosher, you know, dietary laws now. We don't have to do sacrifices. Those things had their meaning for those people in their time, but that there's a core of truth, the Ten Commandments, for example. I heard one interpretation of a uh, commentator or theologian who said that um, everything after the Ten Commandments reads like divine case law. And that basically the way they would have understood it is that here are the 10 principles that we're building our society on. Everything that comes after it is an expression of that or an example of how to apply that. And that it wasn't meant for everybody for all time, but like here is wisdom literature telling you how to apply these 10 truths. And that that was the way that Moses even thought about it and the way that he talked about it in Deuteronomy is that this is this is going to make you wise, the kind of people that God wants you to be, not because following these rules does it, but because the truth that's hidden within them is going to shape you into the kind of people that God wants you to be. And this is significant, I think, when we're trying to figure out how to approach Scripture from wherever we are. You know, we live in the U.S. in 2023, and who knows where you are or when when you're listening to this, but that's kind of the question is how much of this is relevant for my life now or put a different way. What is God's ideal and how does this reflect it? How does all that land on you? That was a lot, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's what you get for not, not having a topic in mind. (laughs) Next you'll learn. Uh, I think it's interesting. You know, Josh talks about in his book, um, that we discussed with him a while back, that death to deconstruction, he talks about people discounting the Bible because it was almost because of the time it was written, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, well, yeah, that would be cool if God was like, Hey, write this from the perspective of, I forget what he says, you know, of of someone riding a hoverboard and, you know, in the middle (laughs) of X, Y, Z, but he puts it pretty funny, but it's, you know, that's not what was happened. It was written in the context of, you know, that that time, yeah, those events, things that were going on then, and while there's things we can glean from that for this day and age, it's not an apples to apples thing, and that's why you have to read it in context and understand. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's what kind of started crossing my mind as you were talking about that. Um, 
Yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think through the different threads and like where you could take it. I mean, it, it, you're you're right. It is interesting and just thinking about the law that was established and then what came from that and it being fulfilled and yeah. <laughs> the, there's a thing too of the the word Torah doesn't mean law specifically. It means teaching or instruction. Yeah, and. I think if that is what we had in our heads when we approached it, we might think a little bit differently about it, where it was less about, tell me the rules I need to follow so that God doesn't thump me or whatever, but rather, yeah. um, what can I? how can I be shaped by this? What can I learn? How can I have insight into the mind and heart of God so that I can live accordingly? Well, and how many people do you think are actually even asking that? I don't know. I think it's easier to just go to a list and say, okay, I don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Here's here's what I have to do. Well, and and you know, back to that point, and not to be critical, because I I I need this reminded to me as much as anyone. But I think a lot of people aren't even necessarily looking for the rules to follow. Mm. It's how do I justify what I want to do in this life? Yeah, it's kind of what's become the mantra. And then when, as we've discussed, so we don't have to belabor it anymore in this episode. But you know, a lot of times if people don't get that from the Bible. And it doesn't back up what they they want. There's this inclination to just drop it all, you know. Yeah. Um, which which you know, again, reading through his his books, reminding me of some of that. But I um, I don't know. It's interesting you you bring up the entrench episodes because that's part of that too. It's either this thing of well this isn't what I want. So I'm just going to dig in and pretend it doesn't say this or mm-hmm. it's not what I want. So I'm going to drop it all together. And I just, you know, when we recorded those episodes, what, three years ago now? It's been a while. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause those were early episodes. I want to say those were maybe single digit episodes if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, I think so. It was very apparent then. I don't feel like it's any less apparent now. You know, it's, <laughs> It's almost ramping up, and you know whether it's a fad or or whatever. It's um, definitely, you know, in your face. We we talk about it a lot, just about how the Bible is meant to be studied in community. Not that you don't study on your own, but that that's been something I've been reminded of a lot lately. Yes, I should read the Bible on my own. Absolutely. But what conversations am I having outside of that? Who am I yeah. going to and saying, "Hey, I read this. How how do we make sense of that?" And because I think that's what allows people to just easily take something and make it something different, be it you know heresy, like we talked about our last episode, or take something that just doesn't jive with our culture and the mess that it is, and just completely drop it because they're not having those conversations. Mm-hmm. And and part of that's probably the fault of the church because we've quickly shut down conversations like that in the past um, on one hand and then there's this other hand I sent you some stuff today I don't know if we want to talk about it but (laughs) there's these other churches that are just kind of saying anything goes at this point say you love everyone and we're good yeah and that's just as harmful if if I don't know maybe not worse it's harmful in different ways I I remember um, remember having a conversation with somebody once about uh, gosh this is what do you do about this conversation? It quickly turned into the, this thing of like, which is worse, all all of the children uh, who have been killed by abortion or 
uh, how black people have been treated over the years. And this was a number of years ago. And, and so, and it was like, well, we're asking the wrong question. Both these things suck. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, situ- the, the situations that lead to, uh, that lead to some of this stuff happening or, and I don't bring the, those things up to try and, I'm not trying to get sidetracked off into either of those conversations, whatever you may think about either one of those. It, it just, it was very much a like, why are we arguing about which of these is worse? Like, I don't, I think we can both, I think we can say that like, this is probably, neither of these are what God in, intended to happen. Can, can we leave yeah. it there without like nickeling and diming each other? I don't remember how we got off on that. How do we get off on anything? Oh my god! Um, oh. I don't know. I'm glad you did in some ways because I, I think that's important. It, it's and it's tough because you're right that that is the wrong question. And saying it the wrong it's the wrong question doesn't dismiss the bad that's been done. But it's like, yeah, no, we we've got that. Now, how do we move on? Mm-hmm. Yes, that was bad. We should love all people. Yeah, but I mean. Who was hated worse? That is that really a good conversation to have? Yeah, I, I think in either case um, of what you were just talking about, you have people calling evil good, or at least being confused about what good is. Yeah. So I, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine earlier today, actually, and um, we were talking about there. Were, there was another uh, headline about a church leader who was apparently abusing children i don't know the mm. i don't know any of the details on it it was just it uh it came across her feed or she heard about it and so she she wanted to she wanted to talk to me about it and we were just talking about the kind of the conversation surrounding that stuff in general and how to handle the accountability and that the church seems to be slow to hold leaders accountable in meaningful ways and it's either we're going to sweep it under the rug or, you know, it's just we're going to totally cut ties immediately. And, um, you know, there's no there's no caring for the person. It's more about, like, saving face or PR management, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I made the remark that we we shouldn't let our pity mislead our compassion. And that I think part of what you're getting at of the like, as long as you love everybody, anything goes, that's kind of what that is, is that we don't want people to feel badly about themselves. We don't want them, we don't want to put heavy burdens on people. We want them to feel loved and accepted. And as such, we are willing to accept things that they do that are sinful and yeah. it's dif- it, it's different and this happens on every like point on the on the quote spectrum as it were but that it's it's easier to give somebody a pass than it is to hold them accountable in a way that's loving and yet has expectations of them it's a lot easier to either remove them from your orbit entirely or just let them hang out there no matter what they do yeah well, and, and I think we have to understand what compassion even is. You know, that's not necessarily letting someone walk who shouldn't. I mean, it, it's sad that 
these instances of, of mistreated and abused and children is almost becoming more commonplace in the church. Mm. Like it, it should shock me more that you just told me there was a new case of this. And and it is it is shocking and, and utterly um, disgusting and and it's messed up, but it it's it's not surprising anymore because it's just happening so much. It seems like yeah. And I, there, there's a part of me, and and I'm not saying this is right, but where it's like why why would we want to have pity on people who are doing this to children? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not yeah. that they're not humans and. You know, vengeance is the Lord's, all, all that, totally agree. But there's a point where having pity on that person almost negates what's happened to the child. Yeah, yeah. I you know what so. I mean? Yeah, I do. And so I, even even if justice isn't ultimately ours, I do think that in situations like that, we have a responsibility to protect. Mm-hmm. You know, that's biblical. We, we should protect children and, and, and others who can't protect themselves. And It's been a lot of conversation in the last few months about like there's been a shakeup in the SBC, for example, about uh, not just not just women in leadership, but how how women have been treated by men, you know, in positions yeah. of power and often abused and and uh, and mistreated and unheard and you know un- unwelcome for for lack of a better word. And yeah. it's it's like that. There seems to be a circling of the wagons every time anything comes out about men in positions of power. I had a, another conversation with a friend recently about this, and it's like, well, why don't we circle the wagons around the people that are vulnerable rather than, you know... Why aren't we protecting instead of on a witch hunt? That's right. Yeah. And and I don't know, man, cause, and, and that's tough, and I grew up in a lot of SBC churches and didn't yeah. see it to the extent that I'm seeing it in the media, mm-hmm. a lot of it. Maybe, maybe little bits and pieces... Now that said, growing up in an SBC, in SBC churches, I do feel like the the idea was that, well, the SBC is right and everyone else is wrong. And oh, totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now outside of that, I'm seeing like, hey, there's some some big red flags here. Not not that I'm condemning the SBC. There's a lot of great people in the SBC, but there's a lot of people who are not as well. Just yeah. like in in other denominations, I'm not trying to pick on on them. Um, it's people you know, just, anywhere you're going to just find found themselves people. in the media. Yeah, 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 we're all screwed up, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it's it's in other churches. I mean, goodness, Hillsong wasn't SBC, you know. Yeah. Um, Mars Hill. Mars Hill. Well, Mars Hill, I guess. Maybe Mars, had roots. Mars Hill was Mars Hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they were part of that Acts twenty nine uh, movement, and, and and it wasn't even necessarily. I guess a denomination. It was just a kind of community of churches. Um, well, then it gets into how do you define like-minded denomination? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there were there were SBC churches that were a part of that. Um, I want to say like Chandler was maybe on the board for a while, mm-hmm. and I. Uh, it's like at some point the wheels came off, and rather than trying to fix one, we just kept rolling down the mountain without wheels. You know, with no ability to steer, with no ability to do anything but just watch ourselves head toward danger. Like, I don't know if that's the church in general or us as people or all of it, but I don't know. Some of the stuff you see, I think had someone said, hey, in 30 years, this stuff's going to be happening in the church. Now, granted, I would have been like 
five at that point, so <laughs> I wouldn't have known much of what they were saying. Wouldn't but have much of an opinion. That's right. No, I'd have probably had one, but it wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we, you know, people would have shook their heads in disbelief. Like we should be the people here to protect and 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 not again, not that there aren't people who are trying, but if we're not being more careful with who we put in behind pulpits and in leadership positions and all of that, I, what what do we expect? Yeah. Our shepherds and stages conversations come to mind. I think also something that I have thought about before, but uh, have been thinking about again recently in light of these kinds of things is that um, the, it's, it's so funny that like we can, follow what is prescribed in the Bible and and utterly ignore the spirit and the heart of God behind it that is revealed in everything around it. So, for example, there's a lot of talk about submitting to authority in certain circles. Like you got to be under you got to be under authority, you got to do what they say and basically if you disagree, you're disrespecting them and therefore disrespecting God and that you have to Basically, if if somebody in authority over you says jump, you should say how high, and you know that like there's no that that interpretation of what authority means is there's no room for anything other than just ab- abject obedience, and the picture of authority in the scriptures is that the master washes the feet of the servant, and that the only one with any rights to anything, God on page one of the whole story is giving power away to people who don't deserve it, that he knows are going to misuse it. (laughs) And he does it anyway because he's a good father and that there's the only way for your children to learn is for them to be trusted and to either do what you ask or to learn the hard way. And and I just, I I think it's interesting that um, the picture of authority that you get, like looking what God himself has always been doing, which is being long suffering, which is being patient, which he does discipline at times, but it, it takes him a long time to get to those moments where he's really doing something dramatic to get people's attention. And yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a different, yeah, the call to authority and obedience is there, but look what the one with the ultimate authority, look how he's handling himself, look how he's leading his people. Yeah. There's a line in Exodus when Moses is talking to Pharaoh, and he's using, he's speaking on God's behalf, and he says, Israel is my firstborn son, and that's the setup for the rest of what comes. And that I find that a really striking idea that like the, this, these people are, are my child. And it really helps to interpret the rest of the the Exodus narratives in particular, but really the rest of the Old Testament in terms of a father and his son who is learning, you know, who, who yeah. is being taught and getting it wrong, and God's having to show patience and having to lead and having to do things that seem, if you read it, it in kind of a narrative from a narrative perspective is it seems real convoluted and like why is he doing this this way why don't we just jump straight to jesus and get the thing over with and as you know if you have children you can't just jump straight to the thing they're not going to get it yeah that may have been a lot of incoherent rambling i'm not sure (laughs) no i got you a couple things i noticed recently you 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 have talked a couple times about 
making sure you're in the word. And I realized I didn't have a good rhythm of that. I mean, I listened to yeah. podcasts and we talk about it and I read some, but I thought, you know, I need to come up with a rhythm. So I have been every morning. And uh, like this morning, I didn't have time to sit down and read. So on the way into work, I just put it on. Uh, I, I downloaded an app that reads it to you. Yeah. So that was that was good. And no. Does it read it in my voice? No, it, it and it's very distracting. The voice actor they pick because he's like, he's from Wisconsin or something. He he's got a noticeable dialect that is distracting. Yeah, it was annoying. But I was like, I, I can just you like let... give me an example of what that sounds like? Just do a little monologue <laughs> there. <laughs> well, here, are <laughs> <laughs> we gonna have to pay royalties if you play this? Uh... So that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, the is Lord. giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am... Com- you shall not add? I'm exaggerating, but it is it is a little distracting to me. It's a little AI sounding, too. That's the B-A-I-B-L-E or something. Uh, <laughs> got that artificial sound. But um, you, you're, yeah. the, you're the second person that, having read something that caught my attention, I've then told it to. Like yeah, the, the Deuteronomy thing. So that that's kind of the point. Go read and then go share. So yeah. if nothing else, we got to do that. Yeah. But but the the two things that I think kind of segue from what we've been talking about on on the last couple of episodes that there are two. One is this: blessed are the merciless. It would almost be worth doing an episode with on the Beatitudes, but with what they now are. Yeah, because like that one is certainly true. That's held up as a virtue. Hmm. I uh, it's funny you mention that because I uh, not to you know mention Josh's book again. I don't get a cut for every time I say death to deconstruction. But <laughs> in it, um, in death to deconstruction, he does talk about kind of the the beatitudes, and I won't get into it. People need to go buy the book and and read that, but. I was thinking about that when you were even talking about some of kind of what we were earlier on. And you're right. I mean, that there's, if you look at the Beatitudes and put it next to like the American dream, you might find that they're quite opposite. Hmm. Yeah. Um, not that we would, would speak that out, you know, but. I wonder if it would be worth actually going through the list and having a conversation about each one. That could be interesting. You know, let's just. Let's read through them real quick. Not that we have to like sit down and dissect each one, but I think right. it's just interesting given what uh what we've been talking through and about and even just that idea of maybe they're quite opposite of what we've been taught to pursue and how we've been taught to live. I think it could be interesting. So if you'll go on and recite them from memory. <laughs> blessed are the meek so, is in there. <laughs> we'll just go back. So it's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Dude, there's, there's, oh man, I got chills. Because that, like, 
each one of those is just so counter to even what our entire upbringing, even in Christian homes. Yeah, <laughs> and what passes for Christ, for Christian Christianity now, so much of it mm. runs counter to that. Yeah, what in the, what the heck happened? I've got thoughts, <laughs> and and having recently listened to the 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 rise and fall of Mars Hill, and and not that there's not things every now and then that Mark Driscoll said. That were not good. Yeah. And things people needed to hear. For sure. That were tough to hear. But I saw a clip of him the other day. You know, he's he's preaching again. Mm-hmm. Um, of course. And I saw a clip of him, and it was like, you know what? He's right on. That, I mean, he was always good at that. Yeah. That was the thing. But, I mean, you, you look through that, but, I mean, his whole deal, and even the stuff with, like, male leadership, not, not that there's not... You know, a, a place uh, I feel responsible for my family, and so I'm going to lead them well, whatever yeah. that means. You know, but but he took it to a whole other level where it's like, man, how how do you read this and justify that kind of attitude? Yeah, I remember, and this segues into kind of the second idea I had, which is I can't worship a god who dot dot dot, and he was one of the quotes I was going to bring out. Like I, yeah. he was talking about. Um, his perception of like effeminate pastors or an effeminate Jesus. And his comment was, I can't worship a guy I can beat up. Yeah. Yeah. Similarly to, I can't worship a God who, you know, wouldn't welcome any sexuality or I can't worship a God who would allow bad things to happen to righteous people or or whatever. Just, I I think there's a lot of mileage to be got out of that conversation because it's not just like the, it's not just the bleeding heart liberals that are making that those kinds of comments, right? As right. it were. Yeah, I mean it's it's all over the place. I mean, he came out and said it. Most people want it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're just gonna quietly let it be. But yeah, I don't know. I just can't help but think like that's just so contradictory. And people read it and it's like, you know, this thing they want to put on their wall and reflect on, and oh, that was so good, but. Man, when you really think about it, none of that sounds, you know, like something you really, really want no. if you think about it, because you're we're we're here in a culture that tells you to pursue all these other things, you know. Yeah. Well, and Jesus conquered by allowing, by turning himself over to the powers of death, who were yeah. unable to conquer him. Yeah. You know, that's a different kind of God's economy is upside down. Yeah. Yep, God's God's economy and the world's economy are very different. I think we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in some ways we've gone from we we focus so much on not not to go back to terms we've used in other episodes a whole lot, but on on getting ours and building whatever people feel they need to build. Um, that slowly to make room for what you want to build in your life, you start pushing out some of what's clearly in front of us in, in Scripture. Mm. Um, and I think the Beatitudes have kind of become a, a casualty of that in some ways for people. Ooh, casualty. You know? What a good word to apply in this <sighs> yeah. context. Yeah. I mean, and, and here's the deal. Like, w- when we read those and you look at... Well, I mean, let's let's go back to, to Mark Driscoll a little bit. Not, not to give him too much airtime. I'm sure he's got enough. But, you know, he... he He's very big on this kind of tough guy mentality. And that's not bad. I was raised that way in, in, in many regards and 
Um, there's something to be said for being tough in difficult situations, but it's kind of that show no emotion, mm-hmm. which I've, I've struggled with for a long time, like truly allowing people to be there for me because I, I felt like I needed to be the one to be there for people. And yeah. But then you clearly read, blessed are those who mourn. Well, that doesn't jive. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, even you mentioned him saying, I, I, you know, don't believe in a Jesus I can beat up. I get his sentiment there and, but, you know, and, and I think he thinks he's a little tougher than he is. But when you look at that, like, how does that jive with being a peacemaker? Yeah. Worship a crucified lamb. What does that mean for our tough guy image? Yeah. It's not that anyone could have beat up Jesus, right? He allowed himself to be... It's like, yeah. fortunately, you have the grace you have that you preach about because he was willing to lay his down his life for you. But yeah, you keep keep preaching what you're preaching there, Mark. That's right. <laughs> and that's that's the thing, is that the, again, the only one with any power, with any rights to anything, laid down his life of his own accord. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Yeah. It's interesting. I just looked down at my phone where I've still got Matthew 12 pulled up. And in light of what we're talking about, that next little bit kind of hits different. Isn't that what the kids are saying? Um, no cap. Because <laughs> we're talking about that and how we've kind of thrown these things out to make room for the American dream or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, um, that we're justifying. And then he goes to talk about salt and light. You know, after these beatitudes, it's you're the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Hmm. Which is what happens. Yeah. You know, these folks that we've been talking about the last kind of episodes, that is what happened to them, is their their lack of saltiness caught up with them. And I think, you know, back to kind of how we started, I think, I think, yeah, there's a desire to see those people restored, but we, we can't do that. And we don't get to be the judge of yeah. that. You know, we can help and be in community, you know. Um, I think there is a lot of damage done if you just exile someone completely. Maybe there need to be two or three people there who can walk through that with them. I think there should be, obviously, but I think there's something to that. I think there are people who should, I mean... Those, those are letters of red there, you know? No yeah. longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Yeah. And I think that's that's true. It's tough. Doesn't mean there's not compassion. Doesn't mean there's not care taken. But that that's that's a result of actions. You know, it's a consequence. Yeah. We, we've talked about before. Well, I, I know you you guys do this at your house, I believe, from what we've talked about, but with our with our daughter, a lot of the time, if if she's doing something wrong and we're having to discipline her, what we say is like, "This is not because we're mad. This is not a punishment. Yeah. This is discipline. This is a consequence because of what you did. And we would not be loving you if we did not give you a consequence. That's not, you know, it seems weird, but we're not <laughs> setting we're setting you up for failure if we don't do something to teach you that what you did was not okay." And we've talked about this before, but God's primary method of discipline is to step back and say, okay, have fun with that and all the chaos that that's going to cause. Yeah, that's what you want. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah, and and, I mean, in those cases, and I know you well enough to know, you've gone through and you've said, 
hey, this when you do that, this is what can happen, mm-hmm. and that's not good. So here, here's here's where we're at. The consequence of that action is X, Y, Z, and you've probably said it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, and it's not because to your point you want to be mean or or you know punish in a certain way. It's because you know that that's just that's how you learn. And if you say that that's a consequence or these things could happen and then just, Oh, it's okay. Every time. Well then what, what are you really learning? You know? Mm-hmm. And, and there's healthy ways to do that. And you know, you watch something like that, that documentary we talked about what a couple episodes back now, but it's uh that there's ways to take that and twist it into something harmful. And there's ways to do it in a way that helps them learn and helps them see that you love them and, and more importantly, that, that God loves them, mm-hmm. you know, um, and he's given you to them to given them to you <laughs> to help you, you know, grow them and teach them and all that, even though we're probably not worthy of that all the time. No, and thankfully God is merciful and gracious and walks beside us. And really, this is kind of where we started talking about leadership and its abuses and people who are using their leadership as a means to fulfill their own desires, whatever that means exactly, whether it's a desire to live in a false peace with everyone. Like there's a a point at which live at peace with everyone gets interpreted as make a truce with everyone, and that's not the same thing, you know? And similarly, um, kind of on the other side of things, it's there, there becomes a point at which the rod of correction becomes like becomes a club used to beat yeah. people into a pulp, and yeah. that's not good either. Yep, it's not not much uh not much correction there. No, and man, what do we freaking know about anything? You know, like I'm not our motivation for these. I, I think I can speak for both of us is not so that y'all y'all will listen to us and think, man, these guys have it figured out. We we really do not. But, As you clearly hear some, sometimes. <laughs> but that, that's, yeah. that's kind of the point. And neither are we saying, well, I guess we don't know. Let's just wrestle with all these questions for eternity, because I think God, God wants to be known. He demonstrates, through, he demonstrates through the story of the Scriptures. He wants us to know what He is like, and He invites us into, into, to know Him better. He wants, yeah. he, he wants us close to Him, and He wants to be close to us. And... That that's all we're saying, really, is that yeah. that that's what we want, and we hope that these conversations can help bring you closer to him and him closer to you, because that's all we're trying to do. Not that it's easy. No, it's a it's a constant battle, and I think it's important to have people in your life who will push you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Taylor's a big part of that for me, and just the conversations we have, and you know, if I do something stupid, he'll tell me I'm stupid. So. <laughs> He will not hesitate. <laughs> uh, yeah. That kind of landed in some kind of spot or other. Yeah, it's a grassy field, but everybody's okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>